welcome to our weekly podcast of Womankind Collective with me, Lou Hawkins-Thompson and me, Jinty Sheeran. Join us as we embark on a fun and educational journey, talking to experts and advocates on subjects that are often taboo. So go and get the kettle on and settle in for a chat and probably a lot of laughter along the way. Coming up this week, we talk to sleep expert Sarah Wild. Now, with 40 to 60% of menopausal women experiencing sleep issues, whether your sleep is broken or you can't get to sleep at all, we ask Sarah what is going on and what can we do about it? In the book Collective, we discuss menstruation and hormonal health in chapter two of our book club, Rebel Bodies by Sarah Graham. Find out if Lou remembered to date herself for five days in RWI and we will be announcing a new one. And finally, we have another inspirational quote for, for the week. Um, we've had some lots of lovely comments this week, Lou, haven't we? We certainly have. And we start off with Neil. He messaged us, he messaged us, get me teeth in, saying, what a great start to the new series. You two telling it exactly how it is. Oh, yes. And then one of the most informed guest I've listened to Dr Ginny was excellent honestly I'm trying to get any woman over 30 to listen to that one so much stuff they need to know to be honest somebody's going to tell me to shut the fuck up soon <laughs> he's a bloke what does he know <laughs> keep going Neil yeah keep going it's, it's always whoever you hear it from it's it's great and someone I can't remember who it was but someone did say that they're going to have to listen to it Again, you know, because yes. there's so much information in there. Yeah. Um, and we had a lovely message from Razia who said she really enjoyed last week's episode with Dr. Ginny. However, she disagrees with her on the collagen supplement, saying that she uses marine collagen and has had really good results with it. And so some of her friends. Um, but I, Dr. Ginny's very evidence based. So it might be just that it works for some folks. But that as in a lot of alternative remedies, there's not the research. Um, it's just not out there yet. Yeah. Maybe we need to do a bit of research ourselves into some collagen well, supplements. We could so do a little bit of anecdotal evidence. Ooh, we, we could. And Mrs. Lovely Mrs. Menacourse told us Rishi and Maths. That was mine, wasn't it? <laughs> it's ridiculous. It doesn't take seven years of schooling to understand basic maths. Yes, absolutely. More arts and crafts, sewing and cooking, repairing and decorating for all pupils. Have you any idea what the brownies learned during the war? They clocked up an unbelievable breadth of skills I know because I have my mum's brownie awards and um when my son was doing a project on the blitz yeah um which my my mum was in Exeter during the blitz and in the brownies and one of her jobs was um her and her friend going to any of the churches after an air raid to uh, pick up find and find any stained glass oh yeah. Wow. So they're literally a, a, a good old breadth of skills in the brownies. Most there. definitely. Yeah. Rachel on Instagram commented, uh, great podcast as always, you two. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, what Dr. Ginny said about collagen, amino acids and digestion is exactly what I always comment on posts promoting collagen supplements. It's nice to be vindicated. Ah, so there we go. The other side of the, the other story side. there. And the lovely Dipti messaged and said, so glad to start listening to your podcast I love them you both are both doing an amazing you get my teeth in you both (laughs) doing amazing and make me smile on the train on my way to work you do cheer me up especially on a cold Monday morning oh thank you Dipti let's warm your cockles up
How's your week been, Jints? My week's been okay. It's been cold, hasn't it, this week? Oh, I, I, do you know, I was walking the dog on the beach this morning and the sand was crunchy. Ooh, Icy, crunchy sand. Nice. It was lovely. Yeah, I like it. Um, Lou, I was thinking this week, you know when you never see, uh, say, a red car until you buy mm-hmm. a red car and then you see them all over the place? Yeah. Well, that's me reading uh, Rebel Bodies. So <laughs> I, I know we, we, we knew there was a gender health gap, didn't oh. we? I mean, you know, hello, menopause campaign. But now I'm just seeing them everywhere. Um, like this new first of its kind peer reviewed paper this week written by expert doctors and scientists who treat chronic uh, urinary tract infections, UTIs. The paper details the battles patients face to secure diagnosis, prolonging infections for some of them for more than a decade. And it found that patients were waiting up to 12 years for a, a diagnosis. So, you, you know, the dip test, basically, yeah. that's that's all we've got at the moment, isn't it? And I mean, that, that, that's been going. I mean, how many years has the dip test been going? Well, and and it's, yeah. it's not accurate, as no, we know. It, it's not. It's not accurate. So the paper um, urges urologists and GPs to start treating patients based on their symptoms instead of using this flawed UTI test that are still considered the gold standard. Um, Connie Dimsdale writes in the newspaper this week that up to 1.7 million patients in the UK are thought to be suffering from chronic uh, UTI symptoms, according to the charity Chronic UTI Infection uh, Campaign. Um, And Connie actually spoke to one 61-year-old woman who spent 25 years being bounced around the NHS before she was diagnosed with a chronic UTI infection. Um, This woman, Angela Dulligan, um, said that it took her decades to get the correct diagnosis. She was wrongly told she had an incurable condition known as insystitial cystitis um, and that some doctors made her feel as though she was imagining her pain. Um, This is, again, goes back to the gaslighting we talked about uh, last week um, in the book collective. So Angela said she was in so much pain, she would lay over the edge of her bed in tears and she said it affected her social life and marriage saying she couldn't plan, she was afraid to book a holiday. We know um, girlfriends, don't we, Lou, that if if they go out, they have to plan. They have to sit near a toilet yep. in the cinema, you know, because of the pain and the amount of times the they have to go. anxiety they must have to oh. go through as well. I mean, it's, it's completely life-changing. It is because it affects every single move you make, yeah. everything you do. And it's okay for maybe some consultant or GPs to go, just put, put, your, put your tenors on, put your, your whatever, tenor ladies, whatever you're going to use. But when she started this at the age of 36... That is not when you need to be wearing your tenor ladies no. or anything like that. You know, this this, this is... And re- that's not okay, is it? It is certainly not okay. And that doesn't deal with the pain. No. Um, and so she says after being referred to various urologists, she was misdiagnosed with this, as we said, interstitial cystitis by a consultant who then offered her a high five after telling it her it was incurable. What an absolute... This is a consultant twat. Yeah. Should be struck off. Yeah. Quite simply, would he do that to a guy? Absolutely. Hey, you've got erectile dysfunction. (laughs) Let's high five you. Go for it. Can you imagine? Absolutely. No, you can't imagine, can you? It just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. Um, She also describes feeling disgusted after one neurologist explained the condition by saying, when God made ladies, he made these bits too close together. I'm going to 
remind you that that was a urologist, somebody who trained for like 10 years or whatever to become a urologist. It's absolutely but disgusting. That goes back to, you know, ancient Greek times where they lured the womb. Yes. The, the hysteria. Yes. The... I'm surprised he didn't get out the potpourri. <sighs> I mean, it's ridiculous. She was eventually diagnosed, and I have to say, by a private clinic. After spending £9,000, she was eventually, eventually diagnosed with the correct diagnosis of chronic UTIs. Um, and she's able to manage this condition with antibiotics and she feels 100 times better. Good. But in the meantime, this is just some of the advice she was given from um, the some of the urologists um, who told her to just um, drink barley water. Mm. It would all be all right. Drink bicarbonate of soda or potassium citrate. Don't eat tomatoes, don't drink wine, don't have bubble baths, don't have any fruit. She didn't eat any fruit for 10 years. I mean, that's so madness, she, she, she followed what they were saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm quite speechless at that, what that woman's had to go through. I know. And this is just one in, in thousands and yeah, thousands and of women. That's just one story. Again, victim blaming and gaslighting. Um, also, or talking about women's health, Lou, this week, I don't know if you've been aware, so Cervical Cancer yes. Awareness Week. Um, have you attended all your smear tests, Absolutely, Lou? all of them. Even the one, I think it was about six, eight weeks after I'd just given birth to my first child. Wow. And I'd just gone for a normal checkup at the GP. And he said, oh, do you a smear? I think they could have done it at I the know. same time, wouldn't you? <laughs> just and take I just, a little swab. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I like to be prepared. I like to be nice and tidy yeah. and clean and washed and... Yeah. No, I, you know, been up all night and God knows what was happening down there. And yes, there we go. But I, I all of them. And I really open your legs, relax, relax, you, relax, relax, screaming baby, relax, <laughs> newborn. Um, yeah, and, and I obviously make sure my girls do. I, I've, ne- I've always talked to them about it. And, yeah. you know, it's, and they've probably not... had the uh, vaccine. Yes, as, they as have. My daughter has. And they were about the right age when yes. it came in, weren't they? And now boys have it as well. So that there is this. Um, I know they don't get cervical cancer, but they get the Paloma yes. virus, um, which can cause um, penile cancer and all sorts yeah. of things. So, so yeah, get get your your vaccine. Um, but also, um, so I've attended all mine. You get them between twenty five and sixty four, don't you? Every yes. three years, I think. Lewis seemed to remember yeah, three or five years. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, I can't quite remember. Um, well, did you know that there are about sixteen million women in the UK that are eligible between twenty five and sixty four, um, but only eleven point two million took a test in twenty two, which is the lowest level in a decade. I mean, you've got to think, we've had the pandemic, haven't we, where yeah. you couldn't get a, an appointment for love nor money yeah. um, at a GP surgery, no, no matter what. So it'd be interesting to see in a, about two years' time when hopefully things have settled from that, where we are with it. And hopefully it was just a blip a blip, and pandemic nerves and not wanting to I, actually I think, go into sort of healthcare settings if you didn't need to. I, I think it's, for a lot of people, it's not a pleasant thing to do. And maybe they thought, do you know what, um, you know, I don't really want to do it anywhere. I'll put it off till next year when the health service is a bit better. Yeah. But yeah, you, you shouldn't do it. But um, also there's been an awful lot um, about pain and um, smear tests, hasn't there, on, on social media. Mm. So I don't know whether this has had some effect. Um, but I, I've been looking into it, and although some folk do find it painful and it can be painful especially if you've got certain conditions and especially in menopause in reality it's just uncomfortable for the majority of women um 
I know in menopause, it can, like say, become more painful with the thinner skin, drier, mm. drier skin. Um, so I would suggest take your own lubricant with you, such as um, Yes Lubricant. Don't let them use KY. Um, and it's not particularly a nice experience, but um, especially if, if they're using this thing called um, the virgin speculum. <laughs> um, and that's been going since the year dot as well as the blooming dip uh, test, doesn't well, we it? We go back to Sims, don't oh. we? He was the one that founded it. Marion, yeah. Dr. James Marion Sims, the father apparently of uh, gynecology, he invented the speculum. Um, well, it was, a, first of all, it was a big spoon that he used and then oh, gradually, that yeah, even, which yeah. was nice uh, but Jenny um, Halpern Prince she's the founder of Lady Garden Foundation the foundation and she says this is the archaic sorry archaic. I can't read my own writing this is the archaic and unnecessary sexualized term for the extra small speculum what's wrong with extra small speculum why do they have to say virgin speculum it should have no place being used in 2023 and it clearly creates feelings of vulnerability adding the blatant labeling of sexual status makes us feel like the medical profession and industry are not in line with contemporary culture um, and also labeling it virgin speculum, it makes people because ridiculous. people that are virgins are going to worry about that because there's all this, or you might not be a virgin after you have yeah. your smear because, which is a load of bollocks anyway. Anyway, on that note, um, how about your week, Lou? Well, yeah, all okay. I've got some funnies, which is quite nice. We'll have a little bit of light relief after yeah, all after that. all that anger. So I've got um, eight things here that are illegal in in, in the UK okay okay so did you know being drunk in a pub is illegal it's <laughs> a bit I know. difficult um the metropolitan Politan act of 1839 states it is illegal for anyone to be drunk in charge of a licensed premises so if the bar person oh i see is drunken yes is a drunkard yeah there's going to be trouble um, and here's number two. You are not allowed to slide on ice or snow in London. <laughs> yeah. And that's according to the Metropolitan Police Act of 1989. Only just. Oh, wow. This law prohibits people making or using a slide on ice or snow in any roadway or other thoroughfare if it poses a common um, problem. It's because it's too many people too probably many in people. London. Mm. The next one, I thought you'll enjoy this. Flying a kite in a public place is technically uh, illegal. Oh. So flying a kite with friends on a lovely summer's day in the park might seem like a great idea. But under Section 54 of the Metropolitan Police Act 1839, this is actually an illegal hazard to other Londoners. Oh, so it's just in London? This is just in London. Oh. And um, it is also unlawful to carry a plank of wood along the pavement. <laughs> oh, we would have got arrested for our... We had a plank of wood with our placards when we went up to Ooh. Parliament. <laughs> yes, unless it's being unloaded from a vehicle. We weren't unloading anything. <laughs> we were uploading it all. We were. <laughs> oh, and this one, I thought was, this one did make me guffaw. Um, a pet cannot mate with a another pet from the royal household. <laughs> Well, I don't know if Prince Andrew's been reading that one. Um, and the act of gambling in British libraries is prohibited. Mm -hmm. um, number Who would gamble in a library? I don't know. 
Maybe if it was... maybe if we went in to read some books and I said, I bet I can read this book slower yeah. than you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is <laughs> what I do. do. <laughs> but now they're um I noticed um in uh we've in our local library, they've got um a whole row of coats that they're donating to people just to come in and take a coat and keep warm. That's nice. Yeah, that that's going completely off kilter there. You don't but... have to bet for it. You don't no, have you to, don't have okay. to bet. I bet you I can get that coat on quicker than you can. Um, and did you know that you cannot stroll cows along the streets during the day? That one I had heard. Right. Actually. And yeah. here's another one. This is a London-based one again. That shaking your carpet on a street in London is unlawful. Where does Unless that you stem from? do it before 8 a.m. Is that, is that an old one when people used to go out yeah. and bash their yeah. rugs? You don't see that very often, no. now, do you? No, it does, you don't. But... Um, I won't be taking my carpet outside. It's enough for me to vacuum it, really. I know. Mine's fair. fitted. I don't really think <laughs> don't I'll be taking it out. up by the tax. <laughs> yeah, shaking it out. <laughs> I'd knock a few people out. Um, oh, so interesting. That, that was, yeah, so I thought that was a little bit of fun. Yeah. Um, I have a word for you, Gents. Yes. And I don't know if you've heard this word, and I'm really sorry if I'm going to pronounce this word was this wording correctly. I suggest with the way your teeth are this morning you probably will <laughs> I probably will so it's a, a Maori word it's called takiwatanga and it's the Maori term for autism and do you know what it simply translates to no it means in his or her own space and time Oh, what a lovely word. I thought that was lovely and what a lovely way to um, actually describe autism as yeah. well. Yeah. Takiwatanga. Be nice if we could all be in our own space yeah. and time and be, actually be allowed to be. Wouldn't yeah. that be nice? That would be wonderful. Not have to sort of try and perform to like a default position. Yeah. Sleep problems are really common in peri peri and postmenopause often sleep problems are one of the first symptoms women experience in perimenopause with 40 to 60 percent of menopausal women experiencing sleep issues our guest today is sarah wilde who developed sleep problems after her second child was born and searched for answers everywhere spending lots of money on sleep aids she said if something promised me sleep i bought it but nothing worked (laughs) long-term for Sarah until she found cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI. And she began sleeping through the night again, determined to help others through their sleep difficulties. Sarah trained as an insomnia coach. She then hit perimenopause and her own sleep problems came back along with other fun symptoms and a busy life to juggle. So Sarah went back to basics and looked at the science and research, which confirmed what she already knew from experience that CBTI had been proven to be a natural solution for perimenopause and postmenopausal people with insomnia. This method is a way to reset your sleep with no supplements, pills or sprays needed. And now Sarah uses this form um, as the foundation for her Meno Insomnia Method coaching program, uh, which can teach you how to get a good night's sleep so that you can wake up feeling like you again. And Sarah says um, she can help 
women sleep better naturally so that they can have the energy to do what they want. We all oh, want to do what we Sarah, want, don't this is we? Welcome. Be exciting. Hello. Hello. Hello, both of you. Yes, thank oh, you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. So, firstly, we know that insomnia isn't just simply about not being able to get off to sleep. Can you explain exactly what insomnia is, please? Yes, of course. Yeah, I think it's it's people have got a lot of their own ideas about what insomnia might look like. Um, and sometimes that means that when they think about themselves, they don't think they they have, you know, insomnia. It's just, you know, their little problem with sleep. But it, it can look it can look quite different in different people. The, the sort of ideas are that you're having trouble getting to sleep, you're having trouble staying asleep through the night, or you're waking up too early in the morning and it's causing you problems and distress during the day so your functioning is being affected um they're the sort of main tests and and what we really mean by that is that it's happening at least four plus times a week and it's been going on for three months although to be honest you know i think if it's past the two months you might be heading into a more you know chronic issue but three months is kind of the 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 test and when we look at sort of getting to sleep and waking up and waking up early, it's kind of, is it taking you more than 30 odd minutes to get to sleep? Are you awake in the night for more than 30 minutes? Are you waking up at least 30 minutes too early for your liking in the morning? Um, that's a kind of yardstick. But again, it's, it's quite a subjective thing, insomnia. It's you're having a sleep problem and it's really affecting how you live. And um, that can look different for different people. But that's the kind of official explanation of insomnia. And women particularly can put up with it for a long, long time um, before seeking help. And I think, you know, that's for lots of reasons. It's like you were saying, we're constantly on the go. We don't quite acknowledge it as an issue. It's just kind of, oh, I'm not a great sleeper. Mm -hmm. I just plow on, you know, I have good days and bad days. Um, so it can take women years to suddenly say, oh, hang on a minute, this is a problem or they may have never had problems and they hit kind of midlife perimenopause and all of a sudden sleep's an issue. So so what are some of the most common sleep problems that you that you come across? So a lot of the women that I work with, I work with men too, but it's mainly women sort of mid, in midlife. And the main issues are getting to sleep. It's taking a long time to get to sleep um or and or you can have both um you're waking up in the middle of the night that kind of 2 a.m and i'm wide awake club it's, it's yeah. about 2 33 actually but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah two to three definitely yeah. it, it's a sweet it's a witching spot. hour isn't it <laughs> it really is and it can feel just so lonely especially mm. if you've got a bed partner snoring away blissfully next to you yeah. Who then wakes up in the morning and says, I didn't really get much sleep. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no you seemed to to me. It is tricky. So they're the main two things that I see coming through the door. And I said, it could be one or the other or both. You know, the, the thing is, is that it's it's usually been going on for a while and it's affecting how you feel during the day. Um, and it's just something that can be one of the big first symptoms of perimenopause as well. Mm -hmm. So if you have never really had sleep problems, your hormones changing can be first you know one of the first signs can be that your sleep goes a bit wonky and i think women that you know come come to perimenopause if it's not really on your radar 
then you know one of all these symptoms as we know you know insomnia is just one of the symptoms mm. of perimenopause but you start these symptoms start adding up and you suddenly realize what you know what's going on yeah things are just yeah. not functioning for me like they used to so yeah. what, what is happening like psychologically and that? physiology and, what's yeah, happening what in is, our bodies what is happening? why are that you know over half well you know there's a there's a few ways that that we get can have our sleep affected one is our hormones our female hormones are actually linked to some of the hormones that get produced to bring about sleep and keep us asleep so when they start to change and fluctuate and reduce then that can have a direct effect on our sleep other ways it can happen is that you know sometimes we need to wee more during the night so you know physiologically we're up in the night more for that um the vasomotor symptoms so we might be getting night sweats which wake us up you know sometimes frequently during the night um and then you know it gets it can be an issue about getting back to sleep again yeah. specific you know if you're really drenched in you wake up and you're you need to change your clothes you know you yeah. need to change your pillowcase because it's just wet yeah. um and then you can need, then you think I need a wee, even if the wee didn't wake you up, I might as well no, have a wee. Yeah, tactical wee. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Tactical so, wee. so all these, so what these things, and then, you know, you've got things like um, anxiety can increase during perimenopause because of hormonal fluctuations. And so that can make us um, a bit more prone to a racing mind. So sometimes we can wake, you know, we're struggling to get to sleep at night because our minds are racing and we're feeling anxious. Or we can wake up in the middle of the night and suddenly our mind is going, you know, 10 to the dozen. Um, maybe we've got some heart palpitations going on alongside it as well. Again, another perimenopause symptoms. Um, so you've got all of these ways in which we can be disturbed in our sleep in the middle of the night because of our hormones. Also, we're getting a bit older, so there's a change in our sleep over our lifetime anyway. So these can all come together and mean that either we're finding it harder to get to sleep and or we're waking up in the middle of the night as well. Mm. And then habits form around what happens. You know, we, we can grow good habits and bad habits, as we all know. And if, you know, we have a, a little run of waking up at a certain time of the night, suddenly our body <laughs> is used to waking up at a certain time of the night. Mm. And, and then that can be habitual and creeping in as well. And then we don't know what to do with ourselves to suddenly, you know, now we're awake, you know, regular as clockwork um, at that sort of two to three witching hour. And that's happening every night. And what do we do? And that, you know, can lead to more anxiety feeding into the whole thing because you're suddenly thinking, well, what do I do? How do I get to sleep? How am I going to function tomorrow? And the more you tell yourself you need more sleep, the harder it gets, doesn't it? Mm, completely. Um, so so you, you were talking about there about the, the two big sleep pro problems with sleep patterns, which is not being able to get off to sleep and the, and the broken sleep and waking sort of very, very early. Hmm. Um, are there different um, things you can do for either of them or do they need sort of separate um, solutions? Well, it's interesting. So there is a lot we can do for both of them because obviously our sleep, the way we sleep, is common for all of us and whatever our sleep problem is. You know, if two people came through the door with these different problems, I would tailor how I would work with them to their particular situation, also their lifestyle and other things going on for them. But there are definitely things that, 
that are common to both that we can work on. So things like looking at making sure that our natural sleep processes are working for us and not against us. So, you know, there are lots of things that have to happen for us to go to sleep at night, lots of natural bodily processes. Um, but there are sort of two main things that we look at um, to help strengthen and work with us at night and that's the sleep drive sleep it's drive. Okay. yeah and the other one is the circadian rhythm so we look at both of those drives and make sure you know whatever your problem that we are making sure that they're really strengthened and working for us and not against us um but generally cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia more snappily known as cbti um looks at sort of three main areas so it's your habits your mind and your body and you know your sleep habits making sure that they're helpful ones and not getting in the way um, um your mind looking at your sort of beliefs about sleep and whether any of them are not helping you and we can look at those specifically but also more generally how you're dealing with stress and anxiety in your life um, because that can often be something that pops up at night when we're quiet and calm um, and those things that we haven't dealt with come and rear their head and the body um, again making it all aligned so that we're ready to drift off to sleep so I use the analogy of an engine you know our nervous system being an engine and come bedtime what we want it to be is just gently idling but a lot of us, it's it's to do with what we're doing during the day can mean by the end of the night, we've got our foot on the accelerator a little bit. So if you think of sort of a ski slope, we're trying to come from a right up here on a mountain down into sleep rather than sort of down here, which would be a gently idling engine into sleep. Mm. So, you know, on a body, when we talk about the body, it's kind of how much tension we're holding in our body um, as a result of stress and busyness and, you know, and, and anxious thoughts and worries. And also, you know, how our thoughts obviously, mm. you know, lead into feed into that. Mm. So it looks at those sort of three elements. Um, and so if someone is coming to me who is having trouble getting to sleep, for example, you know, particularly I would probably start in a different place. You know, I'd be looking at, you know, how much their engine is revving metaf yeah. <laughs> metaphorically, sort of physically and mentally. Um, and how we can start to make that come down slightly so it's easier for them to get to sleep. And what about when you wake um, in the night? Is it better to just lie there and pray for some sleep or do you recommend to get up? Because I, I read one of your, um, on your Instagram page that the bed is for sleep and sex. You know, he's snoring next to you. So that's not going to be um, anything gonna, going sex on. Sex isn't in it, uh, it, an option no. at three in the morning. <laughs> um, so would you recommend lying there or is it good to get out of that habit and to get up or is every everyone different? Generally speaking, I would say get up. Right. Um, and this can be, you know, it's it's difficult, but the problem with is and why I said, you know, the bed is just for sleep and sex is because what I talk about is trying to make your bed a shrine to sleep. So we do nothing else in there except sleep or have sex. Everything else has to happen outside the bedroom door. And that includes worrying. Mm. So if you're awake in the middle of the night and worrying, then you get up, take yourself outside the bedroom, do something calming, and then just try and head back to sleep when you're feeling 
sleepy again. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do, but it's part of the reason that insomnia can continues on yeah. because you know your bed has become a place where you're worried about going to sleep you know you're thinking you know you come the end of the day you're starting to feel anxious about will i sleep tonight um and then when you're lying in bed not sleeping it's a place where you're worrying and physically getting wound up and frustrated yeah. and all of that is going to be counterproductive to sleep you know like you're sending to it like sleep it's like one of the few areas in our life where the harder we try and sleep, the more we chase sleep, yeah. or we yeah. want sleep, the more we're pushing it away. You know, it's practically, you know, we're told to work hard and get results in life, but sleep is like the very opposite of that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of what I look at is the ways in which people are trying to chase that or are worrying about it. Um, you know, sleep effort is what it's called and just chipping away and trying to put in new healthy habits in place um, yeah. so that we can just, I think of it as turning the, the ship around, a tanker around so that you are ready and able to go to sleep rather than wishing or praying for it. Yeah, yeah and perfect it, sense, it does. It? And it's teaching your or retraining your brain to have those connections with bed is bedtime. Bedtime is sleep, not as it's it's sort of learned over time bedtime is reading bedtime is worry bedtime is tv even mm. um a, a bedtime is phone for some for yeah. some people um and it's 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 i suppose it's those simple uh habits again it, go, it comes back to your first one which was habits wasn't it what what would you say uh, uh some well we're going to look at them sort of a bit later but for somebody that can't get to sleep in the first place um what's what's a good habit to try and get out of and get and get into we'd look at what's going on so if you're having trouble going to sleep there's a couple of things i would say how can we especially if you're a very busy person during the day go, go go how can we wind down at the end of the day so that you are distancing yourself from work and worries and all of these things that might be preying on your mind to stop you from sleeping. So you have a wind down period where you're doing something relaxing. You're not on your phone. You're not reading the news. You're not watching a true crime drama. All these ways in which yeah. we don't necessarily realize that we are actually, you know, fueling the fire of our nervous system. If we're getting any kind of emotional, big emotional response to something, then you know we are we are putting our foot on the on the accelerator. When, when you... um, do something soothing and relaxing, and just you know unplug from the day. Definitely, you know, put the phone to bed. Um, because even if you think you're going to behave on the phone, you know, you know, all of these apps and social media are designed to draw us in and send us down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So you just have to, you know, put it to put it to bed and um, not get sucked in. Choose, choose your diversions. You know, Sudoku is always my, you know, favourite because it's just it uses a bit of brain, but it's not too hard and yeah. you're not thinking about anything else whilst you're doing it. This diet effect as well. I mean, the amount of sugar you intake in the, in the day does that does that affect sleep? Well, I think from my point of view, I would talk about sort of timing of you know big meals, you know supper time, dinner time, 
make sure that you're not eating really late in the evening because if you are then your body is going into digest mode right. and that can that can interfere with the sort of physiological processes going on to get you to sleep so i would eat a bit earlier in the evening certainly you know alcohol and caffeine are known rogue agents for sleep um so you know you have to you have to what, what i say to clients is like look i'm not asking you to live like a monk or a nun probably is a better analogy isn't it but <laughs> but they um but wine will you know booze does affect your sleep so you need to know how it affects so you're making the choice about whether you want to have that as another factor in your insomnia um caffeine as well really affects sleep and for a surprisingly long time during the day so again if you're an afternoon tea and coffee drinker you really need to understand that that is naturally fighting your body's ability to bring about sleep in the evening so again if you're an insomnia sufferer it's just not a good idea um whilst we sort to you know your sleep mm-hmm. out until you can be a bit more flexible but you know for the time being it's the interplay of all of these things yeah. that can produce you know the end result of sleeping disturbed i mean the circadian yeah. rhythms are really interesting one isn't it i i, I like as you know so sort of lower even with like lower lighting in the evening and um i know i i was um reading that naturally our body temperature cools around nine or ten o'clock um and this so we really we want to be cooler when we get into bed don't we but of course in menopause <laughs> we're generally even without hot flushes and night sweats we're generally hotter, hotter aren't we so yeah. do you think that could be fooling our bodies our, you know just our body temperature could be fooling our sort of circadian rhythm I think I think you know the vasomotor the the heat regulatory symptoms you know that we get with with perimenopause and menopause do affect absolutely that can be one of the ways it is affecting our sleep because overnight our temperature naturally drops and sort of until about three or four in the morning and then it will start to rise a little bit um and that follows you're right the circadian rhythm Mm -hmm. and um and so i think if we are suffering from heat issues then that can be one of the reasons why we're waking up because it's not just you know a full-on sweat but you know if your circadian rhythm is getting disturbed then that could have knock-on effects so that's why i was saying we one of these two processes the sleep drive and the circadian rhythm we really look at how we can make sure that they are aligned and working for us as much as possible mm. because yeah it does it does play a role and i think you, know, you could have a bath sort of mid-evening they rec- one of the recommendations is that you have a hot bath, ironically, have a warm bath if you can tolerate it, obviously, um, because then that helps raise your body temperature to then start the cooling process. Right, ah, but it's timing sense. it, it's timing it. But yeah, that can sometimes help. So we're talking about perimenopause, menopause. So can HRT help with sleep? Yes, it can, but it doesn't always. Okay. It can because if you are really you know just suffering the the effects of the hormone fluctuations and um falling hormones ultimately then putting some of the hormones back might do it for you and it does for lots of women Mm -hmm. but 
I would also say it doesn't always work. And I'd also say that if you can't take HRT or don't want to take HRT, that that doesn't mean that it's game over for your sleep at all, because cognitive behavioural therapy for insomnia is a natural way. Obviously, there's no pills or hormones or anything, and that can help, even if you are unable or don't want to go down the HRT route, or if the HRT route hasn't worked. But yeah, in a in a in a short answer, it can do, okay. and it does do for some women because it just puts back what's what's can be causing the problems but it doesn't always there's the research on it is actually really interesting there's no kind of slam dunk evidence <laughs> that it will always work there are there is evidence that it does work and it can work but you think you know you would potentially think you know perimenopause and hormone falling yes you know, sort of night follows day if you put it back it would definitely work but it's not it's not completely clear and also the fact that insomnia is um, a sort of chronic, as a chronic issue, is to do with kind of habits and thoughts and body, things that go on regardless of yeah. your menopausal status and keep it going yeah. regardless of your menopausal status. Um, so that's the good news, I suppose, in that you can still look at those areas and target those areas regardless of what you're doing with your hormones. Yeah, I suppose a good example would be for me, my first perimenopausal um, symptom, looking back in hindsight, was night sweats. And I had night sweats probably every night. Um, and I'd only know when I woke up and everything was damp. I'd wake up at a normal time. They'd never woke me up. Well, in actual fact, they did wake me up the occasional time. And I'd just think, oh, I've got water trickling down my back, straight back to sleep. Didn't bother me in the slightest. Now that would, to me, suggest I knew I, knew I could get back to sleep. I didn't have anything going on in my mind, no anxiety, no stress. It was just, I can sleep. I haven't got a problem, gone. For somebody that's already got maybe a sleep problem and they wake up with night sweats, <clears throat> oh, now I'm awake. Now yeah. I'm awake and I'll never get back to sleep. Yeah. And now I've got to go to the toilet. So I think as you say, and it that, is that combination. Yeah, and that's where the CBTI would be massively, Com massively Completely, helpful. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Because some people, you know, waking in the middle of the night is a completely normal part of our sleep. You know, waking is part of sleeping um, because of the way, you know, we cycle through sleep. So it's really normal for people to wake up. But what we do when we wake up and what happens when we wake up and how we think about how we wake up all can feed into insomnia. So it's just like, like you were saying, Jinta, you know, if you had been, a, you know, wide awake and your mind goes off running about, oh, how am I going to cope with the meeting I've got tomorrow? Or, you know, you, you're just running away with the worries and concerns about it. Then that that's when new habits and vicious cycle starts to build up and starts interfering with your sleep. So that's, that's exactly how we can come in, you know, on the sort of cognitive and the thoughts and behaviours and habits way to start to address that and try and, you know, make sleep as, we look at making sleep as efficient as possible. So it's ideally happening one lump rather than broken up during the night. And that, you know, that's what CBTI is really good at targeting. Yeah, because your sleep really starts before you even get into bed, doesn't it? If you've already got those thoughts of if you've had two nights, you haven't slept. The third night you're going to be, well, I won't, I won't, I'll, it'll happen again. I probably won't sleep. Yeah. You're already off. You're already going to lose, aren't you? 
Yeah, you're off to the races already. Yeah. No, it's true. You know, insomnia is a, is a 24 hour issue in the sense that it's not just when you rock up for bedtime that things start happening. You are likely thinking about your sleep a lot during the day. And, um, and that again, all contributes to how you end up feeling come the night time. Yes. And, yeah. and I think it's, um, part of looking at those thoughts and habits um can really help people and you know you even if you've had insomnia for a long long time like 10 20 odd years you can still turn the ship around you absolutely can yeah i i think you know talking about sleep and sex in bed good sleep is is a bit like good sex isn't it in the way i mean stay with me <laughs> i don't stay know where this is going me. sarah in in the sense that if you have good sleep i'm touch wood i'm a good sleeper if you have good sleep you never talk about it as you don't mention it it's just a thing that happens and it's not a big deal if no. you have good sex it it's it might be a big deal with you and your partner but it's not you don't need it's not an issue if you have bad sex it becomes an issue in your relationship as does bad sleep mm. there's my analogy there, there it is yeah yeah it's a good one it's a good one because i think it all comes down to you know and this is a sort of wider thing in life generally is it's where is your focus mm. you know what you focus on becomes a force for good or potentially bad doesn't it you know, if, if you're focusing on your sleep and lack of sleep and how awful you feel and it's all coming back to sleep then feeds into that general fatigue and tiredness and sense of I just feel dreadful. How am I going to cope? Mm. Um, whereas normal, you know, normal sleepers, you ha you still wake up in the night if you're a normal sleeper. You still need the loo in the night. You might have some bad nights. You might have nights where you've too much and you've had rubbish sleep because of the effects of alcohol. Um, all of these things, but it's not it's not something that you are dwelling on yeah. it's kind of okay i've had a rubbish night mm. you may you know you probably acknowledge in the morning but then you get on with things yeah. and part of insomnia is that complete focus on sleep and lack of sleep and how do i get sleep and that being counterproductive to sleep so yeah it is it is exactly that normal sleepers don't really worry about their sleep but yeah. it doesn't mean that's because they're sleeping perfectly they're not just kind of going with the flow yeah um and that's yeah. the place you want to get back to with me with sleeping well i know my menopause symptoms aren't down to my sleep but how many other people might have some of their symptoms it can have a knock-on effect can't it so some of your anxiety and other menopausal symptoms might be down to, to your sleep that's why so sleep is so yeah. important mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it is. It is. You can't it, sleep. Bad sleep makes everything else worse. Is yes. how I look at it. So if you've got other stuff going on, which we all have, be it symptoms or life stuff, if you're not sleeping properly, then it's just all harder. Yeah. It's all yeah. harder. piles in on top of you, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? Gets heavy. Yeah. The load is heavy. So we've spoken briefly sort of about some things we can do, and we hear a lot about sleep hygiene. That seems to be a buzz couple of words at the moment. Um, and and how is it, how can this benefit your sleep? And um, can it can it also be detrimental to your sleep, as in sort of too many rituals and 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 habits? Yeah, yeah. It like I was we were talking about, you know, the habit side of things. Um, habits can help us, 
or they can be, you know, unhelpful. Yeah. And again, it's that idea of chasing sleep and you get a little bit superstitious when you're not sleeping, you're trying to find ways to make it happen. And, and it's kind of like, okay, that night I slept and this happened and this happened. So I need to do this. And it becomes, it does become a ritual. And, you know, the whole placebo effect of it as well of, okay, if I do this, this, and this, then I'll sleep. Mm. And then one night, you know, very shortly after, you know, that might work for a while and then suddenly it's not working anymore. And then you get a bit desperate and that's why that was me, you know, that was me at the chemist. So what else have you got for me? Yeah. What else can I buy here? Yeah. You know, I've got, yeah. I've got the, the pillow, the spray, the night pole, you know, yeah. the tried antihistamines, I've tried everything. everything. Yeah. 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 And you know, what's, what else can I do? But effectively you are just swapping one, one yes. sort of, you know, rabbit's paw, superstitious, this will help me sleep yeah. um, for another. And that might not be a bad thing if it works. It's just generally it doesn't work. You know, things will have their little shelf life and then stop working. And that's because you're not really looking at the underlying things going on that need to make it a long-term change um in your sleep so you know you'll hear lots of people coming in you know whenever they see me they've tried they have tried practically everything they tried the acupuncture you know the sleepy teas um i spent a fortune on pillows i remember and weighted blankets and they're a big thing and there's you know there's a million things out there that people are trying to to sell you as helping with sleep and if they do then you know all power to you but unfortunately within people with insomnia it's it's a short-term what fix if yeah, it works you, you need it for the long term and good, good sleep hygiene involves as you said before with your phone you know putting your phone to bed you can actually buy little beds for your phone you can also buy little cages you can really? lock you can lock your phone away because some people like sarah said they that. are addicted they are addictive yeah you can buy yeah. a little cage where you can set the time and you lock it away for i don't know four hours 12 hours you cannot open it until that time so if you're really addicted maybe actually put it put it in to prison bed. put it in prison because if you're like me, yeah that. put it in prison if you're like me you're kind of a quite a visual person I like to see okay my phone is a, I don't have a bed but it stays downstairs it's never it's very rarely up upstairs um so yeah. you've got the phone thing you've also you can change the light on your phone maybe if you have to work yeah some of, a lot of them have got like sleep modes now that's right lowers the light um sometimes they even remove the time so that's the other thing i always recommend is get rid of clocks um Ooh. yeah you don't want to see the time because if you're waking either you're, if you're long there waiting to go to sleep you're looking at the clock thinking yeah. it's now x time you know midnight one o'clock and it just ticks over and it just feeds into the anxiety basically and in the middle of the night as well if you're looking the first thing you're doing is looking at the clock to see what time you're awake that is just going to feed into the anxiety. Oh, I'm now awake and it's, you know, 3 a.m. And I've got to be up in, you know, a few hours. Will I get sleep again? Um, and the, of course, that's clicking right into the vicious cycle. Of, well, the more we're worrying about getting back to sleep, the less it's going to happen. So if you've got a clock, turn it to face the wall. Put your phone on the other side of the room if you use it as an alarm, for example, in the morning. But you don't want to have it close if you can avoid it yeah, that's really um, good that is one thing you do do isn't it, it when you wake up early first thing first i do thing, you actually. know exactly when you yeah, wake up like 2:53. you know you yeah. just oh wait what's, what's the time yeah and it's it's you and know, then you're, you're, so you're watching it you're yeah. watching it every yeah. five minutes aren't you yeah 
and you're tempted to start checking your emails, you know, and you can't help yourself all the news, both of which are just, you know, are just, just adding, adding to the pile, adding to fuel the, for the, the fire, fuel yeah. for the fire. Um, so yeah, just get just get rid of that as a temptation. Definitely, I'm going to check out those cages, Jinty. Yes, check them out. I, I jail. Think, yeah, Bone put them in jail. jail. They're quite good for teenagers. Not to yeah, put I was just thinking in. that. Yeah, I've not got one of those. So. Jail. Yeah, no, because that'd be wrong. No, put their phone. <laughs> just their just phones. The phone. For now, yeah. we'll start yeah. with the phone. Is there anything? Any other sort of yeah. you know, tips? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think what I see is. Um, well, for a start, I've got something on my website what somebody wants to sort of get something to read and follow in front of them. Um, if you go to um, my Instagram, you can just click through and get it, which can talk a bit more about it. But and try and target your sleep drive. I make you sure you've got a nice, strong sleep drive. And the way you can do that is um, get up in the morning at the same time every day. Mm -hmm. Even the weekends? And yes. Yep. Yes. You know, again, whilst you know, this is the sharp intake of breath, even weekends, but you know, <laughs> you know this doors flexibility when these things settle down again. Yeah. <laughs> but it's again, it's sort of, you know, it's our sleep loves regular regularity, sort of regular hours. So if you're going to sleep at the same sort of time and waking up at the same sort of time, your body will thank you for it. Um, because you can actually, for example, you can get jet lags without ever leaving your bed because if you're sleeping you know if you're waking up seven o'clock every morning or you know six o'clock every morning to go to work and then at the weekends you're sleeping in till you know nine then you know it's the equivalent of of flying over you know two or three time zones in your body for your body mm -hmm. so that kind of jet lag you would get is actually going on so that's why i say try and wake up at the same time every day um, get outside in the morning as well. This is all going to help your circadian rhythm. Um, get some light into your eyes. It's literally the process of light hitting your eyes. So no sunglasses or anything. And it doesn't matter if it's a cloudy day because the amount of sunlight out there is still um, really high. You know, if you're comparing it to a light bulb, you know, it's still massive compared to that. So I'd say about 15 minutes, if you can, as early as you can during the day. Yeah. Um, and then just make sure you're not napping during the day because that will affect your ability to sleep come night time. And um, yeah, the clock, definitely get rid of the clock um, from your bedroom or turn it to the wall or put your phone on sleep mode so that that's not feeding any anxiety about what time it is and how am I going to cope if I've got to mm -hmm. get up in you know an hour yeah. or so. Brilliant. And there's other things you can do other than napping, I suppose, if you need the rest. Instead of, you know, reaching for coffee or being tempted to nap, is just go for a, a walk outside, a gentle stroll outside if you can, you know, weather permitting, or just gentle movement, stretching or um, just occupying yourself in some way. Because, mm. you know, if, you, if you're tempted to sit down on a cosy sofa, then we know how that story is going to end. <laughs> so though that's called sleep, you see, you see the analogy again, sleep drive, just like sex drive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, over so that, that part of sleep is um, sleep drive. <laughs> and then you've got the other part, which was 
Yeah, so the circadian a lot of oh, that sorry. will help with your circadian rhythm, the getting up um, at the same time every day, getting the light in your eyes. So that's just making sure that that's going to work, you know, because it cycles through that that's going to work for you come the end of the day. Um, and the sleep drive is particularly that naturally happens. I mean, that's the good news. You don't have to do anything. It naturally builds up in your body. But the ways that you can um, knock it back napping and caffeine are the big you know offenders here um because if because they both directly affect it so if you're if you're a napper or you're really into caffeine come the end of the day you're going to have a, a much weaker sleep drive to help get off sleep and crucially stay asleep through the night as well if you could introduce um, a different habit there couldn't you a, a good habit like instead of your coffee introduce what something instead that would be a yeah. good habit that would mm. work for your sleep yeah, absolutely. That's exactly yeah. That's exactly what I would do. So we talk about you know what else could you do within your lifestyle? You know where are you? What are you doing? What could we do that will help you? Because you can't just say to people, no caffeine, yeah. no booze, no you know, which a lot of what the hygiene might say. And that and to be and to be honest, a lot of women that I work with gave up caffeine a long time ago because people know that caffeine mm. generally speaking can affect their sleep um but it's definitely replacing one thing with something more helpful yeah. sarah where can people find you as well i am i'm i'm on the gram at beyond underscore insomnia yeah. um and my website is beyondinsomnia.com I'll put all that on the show notes as well so we can direct yeah. people to Yeah, you. because Sarah does a lovely, you do like a free... It's a, li it's a little guide. I, I've just called it, you know, Sleep Better Start Today. Yeah. Um, just because I wanted to be able to help, you know, sleep is such a big issue and not everybody can, you know, afford to work with me. So I wanted to put something out there that people can just have and could, in its own right, reset sleep. Yeah. You know, it's very possible that it could. Um, some people might need you know, more input. But um, yeah, if you go to um, my Instagram page, the link is there that you can just click through um, and get it. Um, otherwise, just go to my website, beyondinsomnia.com, to the resources tag, and then, you know, you can get it straight away. And that does have a bit more detail about what to do and, you know, answers questions people might have about how to do it. Um, but, yeah, DM me or drop me an email. My, my details are in the guide and I'm very happy to um, to help where I can. That's brilliant. Oh. And, and I think that, that word reset, that is key, isn't it? Because yeah. I think when you have when you've gotten down that road of actual insomnia like you are Lou you do need it you've yeah. tried all sorts haven't you and oh, you do yeah. need a complete and reset and Sarah's right you just throw money at things I think that the chemist yeah. now the pharmacist goes oh she comes again <laughs> yeah she comes I was a frequent flyer I really was a frequent flyer yeah I need loyalty uh, points <laughs> um, I, 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 well I've written so many notes Sarah thank you and I think I will be in touch very soon but um yeah, what an interesting chat. Yeah, definitely. I just want to say one one more thing. Just thinking about, about going to the chemist. No, it didn't involve sex, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, it's effort, isn't it, Sarah? Would you say? I mean, a lot of us are looking for a quick fix now. So we go mm. to the chemist and, uh, you know, we want to buy, you know, an eye mask or something that's going to solve all our I problems. It's but actually, actually well. it is. Actually, it's a, we do have to practice. It's a practice, isn't it? It's a practice mm. and, a, and a bit of effort. But it's knowing yeah. where what the effort is, where we have to put that effort. It it is, you know, um, you know, I there are 
there are definitely those tips that we talked about you know these things definitely work but the idea of me being able to give a sort of quick tip here you know is to to solve people's sleep it's just it's nothing i can do because mm. it is it is a whole raft of things going on um changes a little bit from person to person and it's and as you say it is a bit of a practice um mm. a learning of new ways and then getting new habits going and entrenched um to turn the tanker around you know mm. um so it does take a bit of effort yeah you're right there is you know there is no quick quick fix but no. you can if you do this you can get you can get results within a week or so you know wow, it is very possible ask, i was just going to ask how long that's yeah, yeah that's yeah, fantastic you can yeah. i mean it really you know as i said that really depends from person to person and very much how committed they are and you know what we're doing together but absolutely absolutely you know i just recently was working with someone who was awake for two or three hours in the night every single night without fail and they're now sleeping through that's just stopped I bet they feel like a whole new person. Yeah. yeah. It's like it is life changing. I remember yeah. it I remember it yeah. really, really well. You know, almost euphoric. <laughs> you wake up in the morning yeah. and go, Oh my god. This I is this is how, Yeah, this is how normal people feel. How <laughs> Jesse feels every morning. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Sarah, thank oh, you so much. It's been a, you literally have been a dream. Thank you so much. It's It's been, um, yeah, my yeah, notes, my copious, pleasure. copious notes. This yeah. time next week, Lou will be sleeping through like yeah. a like a baby. Well, you know, always happy to hear from you. <laughs> no, it's been it's been lovely. I, you know, you're one of my favourite listeners. So thank you for inviting oh, me on. Oh, thank you, Sarah, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, generosity in coming on. Thank you. She was marvellous. You can't wait now to go to bed, can you? I can't. Use a few of them tips. I can't. What the, yeah, absolutely superb. And hopefully a lot of help for many people listening. Yeah, definitely. And, and I just want to say after we stopped recording, we were talking about some myths, weren't we? We were. And um, we were talking about the length of sleep. A lot of people are told it's that Golden they, eight hours, Golden eight hours. Golden she standard. Said, and Sarah said that is a myth. We're all different. It will be different for everybody. Yeah. So it's quality, panic. isn't it? Not quantity. Exactly. Of sleep. I say that because you talked a lot about sex in there. Yes, quality, <laughs> not quantity. Moving swiftly Moving on. on, let's get to the book collective, our very own book club. So we are reading Rebel Bodies: A Guide to the Gender Health Gap Revolution by Sarah Graham, and um, we this week we have read chapter two. Some girls just have bad periods menstrual and hormonal health how did you get on Jin? Well, I, I, it, I'm, I'm, I'm from the outset I'm just just furious the whole I was way gonna through. say it's quite if you weren't angry before oh. um you know it is so Sarah begins this chapter acknowledging how difficult periods can be for women trans men and women and non-binary folks great um, explanations in as, there yes Sorry, there was wasn't yeah. there yeah and as well as the one in ten thousand with um premature ovarian insufficiency mm. who may never even have their first period so there's those acknowledgements in there and um then she she goes on to mention this uh we are as women the original sin and and as such <laughs> we we must we've been told for years to put up with our periods and discomfort um but in, you know but for some it's 
a decade long, like we were talking about before yeah. with it, with our, um, uh, uh, with women's health generally, it's a decades long battle, like endometriosis, fibroids, PCOS, PCOS, um, polycystic ovary syndrome and PMDD, uh, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It's decades. And like you say, because of our original sin in inverted commas, put up with it. Yeah. Or have some barley water as, uh, yeah, as barley. Angela said. I mean, I think I, I absolutely love all the facts and the figures that, yes. that Sarah's um, researched and put in here. And one of them is about a 2016 review of cited by um, women's health activists and advocates. Oh, yes. Also found that researchers conduct five, I'm going to say this, five times as many studies into erectile dysfunction, mm. ED, as PMS, despite the former affecting just 19% of men, while the latter, PMS, in varying forms affects 90% of women. That right there is the gender health gap. And do you think, I know I'm all about sex today, but do you think that comes back basically to sex? Because if we, if we say something is affecting our sex life or it, 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 getting testosterone because your sex drive, you're more likely to get anything like reproductive health, as in, as in, you know, our pregnant, we're looked after during pregnancy. Contraception is the thing they keep throwing at you and throwing at you. It seems to all be about sex. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah, when we we need help with our mood, um, with our general just getting along day to day stuff. Just trying to get out of bed oh, some days. You know, yeah, it's just, just, yeah, it's just a period pain. It's just a period pain. Yeah, you try telling it. that to people like Hilary Mantel, who we talked about last year, yeah. the author who died, that's suffered with endometriosis all her life, had a hysterectomy at um, 27, could never have children. And this is still happening now that people are getting the wrong diagnosis well it takes on average eight years to be diagnosed with endometriosis in the uk it's eight, eight years, years and it's painful eight years of solid pain if not more and i liked because last last week our quote for the week was um, from gloria steinman and, and in in this chapter she actually um quotes her in her iconic essay from if men could menstruate he said, if only men could menstruate, it would become an enviable, enviable, be a race. boastworthy, masculine event and goes on. And it, yeah, it would be. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, my period was heaven, yours, man. Da, 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 da. You, can, yeah. you can just hear it, can't you? Yeah. She, she sort of talks about the, some of the sort of more positive things. There's more activists now. Uh, there's more period mentors. There's more people. We're talking to Kim McCabe, haven't we, yeah. about um, periods. So, and it was the positive, the positive side of social media, finding yeah. your tribe and, and finding the information and, and the good people out there that are willing to help and talk yeah. to you. I, I, I love the fact Sarah writes, as you said, there's a lot of facts and figures, but there's also a lot of um, experiences, pers- personal, personal experiences in here, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, she says that endometrios- endometriosis is the second most common gynecological condition after uterine, uterine fi- fibroids and affects an estimated one in 10 women. I mean, that's massive. That's huge, isn't it? Um and she also says, unsurprisingly, a 2020 study into gender disparities in health research funding highlighted that endometriosis and other female dominant conditions are among the worst funded by the U.S. National Institute, Institutes of Health, while health issues that 
uh, predominantly affect men are, of course, overfunded. This lack of medical knowledge combined with its association with the womb and, in inverted uh, commas, woman's troubles, makes endometriosis one of the archetypal hysterical conditions. And And she always talks talks about, as well, severe PMS known as PMDD. And that affects, I was quite surprised how many people this affects. Five to eight percent. That's huge. When we know, like from Kate Duffy and everyone we've talked to and interviewed on here and her daughter, you know, that is absolutely can just can completely take your life away because that's you're contemplating suicide yeah um but it's not even recognized as a diagnosis in the uk no 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 it's not at all and it's just dismissed yeah and and which is what she said um it's truly shocking i think this is i was i read didn't sleep well last night i read this before bed last night and i i was furious absolutely furious the, the struggles that we actually have to go to and both having daughters it's 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 huge it is Lou and one thing that bothers me is because we are not given correct treatment and we are led to believe we're gaslighted into believing that uh it's in our heads um this and Sarah talks about it here um that the, the lack of treatments um forces us to look at all you know alternative medicines and she says um one of my biggest concerns about the gender health gap is the risk that it will drive businesses to exploitative company and practitioners peddling unregulated miracle cures to vulnerable people who are desperate enough to try anything we've already seen that with menopause we've haven't definitely we? seen that with menopause yeah and it's um it's going to be in in many many areas now i think as well yeah it is <clears throat> and she goes on to talk about so there's some data published in 2022 and just showed the waiting list for gynecological gynecology increased by 60 that's 60% yeah. during the pandemic yeah. more than any other medical speciality yeah. with more than half a million patients waiting to be seen yeah I mean, where do you even start with figures like that, yeah. really? But of course, the news today is we're not going to get mandatory training for GPs. Oh, so, no, we've just been... you know, let's push even more. The thing is, if they're not trained properly, it pushes them all. All your your breakthrough bleeding cases in menopause all will go to gynae. Um, whereas if we had more menopause clinics, as we keep uh, campaigning for and proper GP training, we'd have, you know, quite a lot of those would not go to um, no, the, the gynecologist. Once We've again, got the, kicked to the curb, ladies, yes. kicked to the curb. And I love some of the um, experts she's got in here. One of, um, of course, we've interviewed Dr. Hannah Short yeah. about POI, who knows a lot about that from her own experience and from um, the, the the patients that she sees. Um, and, you know, she's saying in here, it's wonderful to see increased awareness of these conditions. The demoralizing reality um, for, for her as a doctor is that the system simply does not allow her to provide the level of care she'd like. There's no backup. We talk no. about it. There's no pathway of referral. No which is what we're up against. How many against. times do we do have know what to I know. say? It. We're going to be horse. We're going to be a pair of horses. Oh. It is. I'm speechless. If we had, I'm cross. Basically, if so we... so fucking cross. If, if Gloria Snyman was right and we had bollocks and we had periods, yeah. it would be sorted. This would not be a conversation we were having. No, if men had all those things, we would not... You'd have you'd have free period products. Yeah, that would no be, tax on no any, tax. any of those. It'd all be free. Happy days. 
but we are in this uh, predicament so we will keep on um shouting and uh, and i think hopefully a lot of more people will read sarah's book and yeah. start i mean I anger mean, is a good thing we've spoken about it before yeah, if as it's long as you channel as, it if it's channeled the correct way yeah one more thing i'd just like to say Go lou on. is the resources at the back Ooh, of at yes. the end of this chapter she's Very put some good. wonderful resources and this is where social media can be um, a thing for the good of everybody um, people like sisters.org um, sisters with a cy um, and um, british F uh, fibroid trust and black broken anxious that is a fantastic uh, one to follow um, and endo so black you know because again if we think as cis white women we've got it trouble yeah imagine um if you were gay and black are you got zero Z yeah yeah, yeah. I treble what we've got absolutely exactly. absolutely right so you can tell we're both absolutely furious and we're going to move that fury on because next week we're going to be reading chapter three and you're i'm just this is making me cross just reading it attention seeking hypochondriacs the gender pain gap I can't Do you think our voices are going to get higher and higher pitched? As we <laughs> They'll be more <laughs> swearing. They'll be very sweary next week. So hold on to your drawers, people. And, <laughs> yes, please hold on. And please, uh, we'd love to hear what you think. Either um, Aline, if you're reading along, and others that are reading along, um, just let us, you know, let us know. We'd love to know your thoughts. So... W.I. Lou, I tasked us before Christmas to date ourselves for five dates. Yes. Um, and you forgot. I did. And I was poorly over Christmas. Yeah, you were. Um, and it was your 25th wedding anniversary. Yeah. You had a lot going on. Yeah. Um, so you were going to do it this week. Did you manage to do it? I managed three because obviously I have work as well. Yes. So it was, a, it was a bit difficult with life this week. But I did manage three. Th three? Three. How did you get on? So, yeah, it was actually lovely. So, I, I, you know, we've got a little hot tub. Yeah. So I... Uh, threw some coins in the meter and put that on and sat in Ooh, there luxury. in the day with a mug of tea. That was so nice. Lovely. Um, and I, is that the sort of thing you would never normally no, do, especially no. not in, a, in the, the uh, not in the winter time economy as it is. Yeah. <laughs> that was a real treat. Yeah, yeah. A proper treat. So yeah, it was almost quite meditative actually. Lovely. Um, I took myself on a beach walk and had, and had a coffee on my own, which I really loved. Nice. And then I sat and read for just two hours. Just, I mean, that was that was dating myself because I love reading. So yeah. I just sat there, no interruptions, and just sat there. It was bliss. And yes, and I'm glad you felt it was bliss because because we've spoke about it before on here. You find it quite difficult because you're a doer. You often feel guilty for oh, sitting sit and, and relaxing. Still, yeah. But because this was like a mission and an invitation <laughs> and it was it was a date for yeah. yourself, did that make it feel it didn't make it feel and okay. Special. Definitely Lovely. we'll be doing it again. Probably won't be able to fit in five in a week, but maybe one or two. Well that's what I thought. I think it's weird Even how just a date night or a date yeah. date little few hours yeah. sometime in the week look at if, if you just look at it slightly in a slightly different way yeah and as I said last week if you find self-care really difficult I think it's a really good way of almost talking to yourself in the third person isn't it it's yeah. almost you are your date so yeah. how would what would she like yeah what would she enjoy yeah I know it's almost so, like that is it Taylor Swift and Brian Flowers uh, something about flowers, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, Liz, beautiful. Um, moving swiftly on, I hope our next one doesn't involve singing. No, our next one is actually, we've got a new WI from um, Elena. Lovely Elena in Scotland. In Scotland, and it's a balancing act. Uh, balancing, balancing I will be the balancing. I, I we do that already. <laughs> I'm spinning everything, spinning around here. Yeah. It's called the balance challenge. Yeah. And it's about putting shoes and socks on Brilliant. on one foot. So I know I'll be face planting. <laughs> so I think we're going we're gonna to have a go at that, aren't we? We're going to have a go. I and think we're going to film we're gonna do our own next but week. The one she sent was actually called the old man challenge. I don't really like that very much. I think that's a, a, li- a little bit ageist and a little bit sexist because there's a lot of young people I find in yoga that can't balance yes there's a lot of older people that really can balance so yeah. it's just the balance challenge. The balance challenge and we will be doing it performing this yes for you all and next week yes so ha- have a have a look out on Instagram um if you're not on on Instagram I'll just describe it it involves picking up one leg putting a sock on then putting a shoe on or trainer with laces mm-hmm. Hopping your right foot down, lifting your left leg straight away and doing the same, doesn't it? Oh, so there you go. My ass is going to be flat on that floor. If I you want to see you. Louise's ass, get on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> um, Lou, it was your turn for a quote this week. It certainly was. So my quote of the week is from one of my very favourite authors, Sarah Winman. And it's from her first book, When God Was a Rabbit. Memories, no matter how small or inconsequential, are the pages that define us. I love that. It's lovely, isn't it? I think you lent that to my mum, that book, didn't you? Because she loved Sarah Winman. Yeah, I I think we had Still Life. Yeah. And Marvellous. Yes, we read Marvellous yeah. as previous I don't know if I, did I, I don't know if I lent her when God was a rabbit. I might have done, uh, actually. Yeah, I, think, I think you did. It rings yeah. a bell. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so true. It It is, isn't it? Yeah. Because while we've got memories, we've got our past, haven't we? Yeah, and we've they do define us. Never, they do define us. We learn, um, hopefully, we learn from our, our experiences. Yeah, it's really lovely, Lou. Oh, I've had a lovely time today, oh, Lou. Oh, me too. Mm. Me too. What a fantastic week and a lovely guest. So we hope your tea's not gone cold and that you'll join us next Sunday for The Collective. We would love you to subscribe, favourite and review our podcast. It really does help us spread the word. And please head over to our Instagram page, Womenkind Collective, to leave your comments or DM us with your thoughts or watch us and our guests on our Womenkind Collective YouTube channel. And lastly, you will find all the links, any recipes and the guest details and our hashtag Where's My Clinic campaign petition from Menopause Clinic in Devon on the podcast show notes. Fantastic. Oh, lovely. I'm just off for a good night's sleep now. Yeah, what's going to happen, Lou, is it? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.